Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yes, hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Gagan Pod, a special Friday edition to follow up from the massive Manchester derby that we had on Thursday, although in the end, the result was probably what everyone predicted, and now the title race continues to go down to the wire. David Wiener with you, hope you've had a great week, and I'm joined by coaching extraordinaire Luke Wilkshire, how are you mate? G'day mate, I can't complain. Ole Gunnar I called you for some advice yet after your start to the season with the Wolves? <laughs> no, not yet, but uh, look, I can't complain at the moment. Very happy. Very good, very good. Paul Ocon, how are you? Good morning, mate. What's been happening this week? Did you catch the derby? Uh, I did, and uh, I was delighted because uh, in the end, um, Man City got the job done. Delighted. We'll pick that back up again. I wonder why that is. Um, also joining us today, back on the Gagapod, Ashley Westwood. A very warm woman. welcome back to you. How have you been? Travelling... All so- to all sorts of places in the last couple of months since we've last seen you. Yeah, the uh, the usual, uh, Mumbai, India, England, and uh, back over to uh, sunny Sydney. So a bit of punditry there for the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, do uh, do a little bit over there for uh, Sony TV, just doing Champions League. We cover Serie A and La Liga as well, so uh, interesting, and uh, obviously talking about football for a living can't be bad. Absolutely, no, that's exactly right. We try to pretend we're working every day that we're here. Boys, we talked about the Manchester derby yesterday, of course, where Manchester City got the job done. I guess when you're relying on a favour and you're a Liverpool fan, you really don't want to be relying on Manchester United. 100%, I'm pretty sure... Um I think, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Milner said the first time in his life he'd be supporting Manchester United against Man City. But I think uh, in the end, the better team got the result and I think they thoroughly deserved it. And I said a while back that I thought Manchester City will will take this uh, title out. And unfortunately for Liverpool, I think that's still the case. The chance for the twist is really narrowing now still, Paolo. You said you were delighted City won. Um, It's got to a point in that second half, it was almost men against boys. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, United uh, actually started better than than Man City, um, and uh, um, yeah, Man City was a little bit sloppy in the first half. But once they found their rhythm, and uh, certainly, I think uh, uh, the introduction of Leroy Sane for me um, uh, changed the game a little bit. And in the end, uh, um, I think we all agree that uh, Man City, um, you know, thoroughly deserved it. What did you make of the game, Ash? I just thought um, Man United started well, obviously, like like Paul said there. Um, but I think going five at the back, I think they're always going to be on the back foot. Um, they find it really hard to to get any pressure in wide areas. Man City obviously stretched the pitch nice and wide with with Sterling on one side, obviously, and and then making sure that they they pin them back. And I think as the game went on, more and more possession to Man City. And then when you got players like Gundogan, David Silva. Sterling on the left, you know, they can unlock most doors and, and all of a sudden Man City just look favourites and comfortable for the league now, I think. The Fernandinho injury, was that a, a blessing in disguise in the course of that game for Guardiola? Well, I think he was thinking about changing it, obviously getting to that, that mark where he wants to inject a bit of pace. Um, it depends how bad his injury is because I think he had a good game, Fernandinho. Uh, you know, he was picking up little bits, putting in a couple of key tackles and he'll be a miss. If he is missed, it does make him more attacking when he doesn't play. 
But obviously you need those kind of players in your team if you are going to keep clean sheets. Well, to help us further dissect this game, but also look at what happens now, we're joined on the line from the UK by Mark Schwarzer. How are you, mate? I'm well, thank you. Very good. Thanks for joining us uh, late on a Thursday night over there. What did you make of uh, the game yesterday? And more in, more importantly, what's the reaction been like in the UK since and uh, amongst the people you've been speaking to? Well, I mean, the reaction is, uh, for me personally, it was a bit more like a formality, really. Uh, Manchester City, you know, winning the game. And, and uh, I think they won it reasonably comfortably. Um, Man United obviously did up their game. They played a lot better than what they have recently. Um, but it was really a case of the result was expected. Um, the scoreline, maybe not. Maybe people, probably people expected maybe a few more goals from Manchester City. Maybe they thought it was going to be a little bit easier for them. Um, but, you know, the derbies are often the ones that uh, you can throw the, you know, the um, the form got out the window. And I think yesterday was, was definitely one of those ones where you could do it. Um, interesting, you know, I thought that there was a few players that didn't quite perform at the level you expect them to play for for Man City. However, in the end, the overall quality just shone through. Is there almost a slight opening for, I mean, it's probably gone now, where City have actually shown their human side against Spurs and now against United where they even at the start of this game, they look slightly nervous. They weren't at their free-flowing best. But in the end, they've yeah. just got too much quality. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, and I've said it all along that the depth that they have in their squad, you know, I mean, you look at the substitutions that... that that uh, Man City can make, you know, bringing on players like Jesus, Sane, Foden, you know, I mean, Foden obviously has come to his own, Mahrez didn't even make the make it onto the pitch. Um, and I think, you know, you look at those sort of players, you just think, wow, what, what what quality have you got? You know, what what players can you look to bring on during a game compared to other teams? They just don't have that depth. So you can rely on when players are having a bit of an off day, when you lose a player of the calibre of Fernandinho, um, you know, you can bring on someone like Sane who can who can turn the game on its head, which he did. Um, I mean, it's just such a luxury to have. And that's also why I thought for a long period of time that, that Man City, it was their title to lose. As, as well as Liverpool have done, as much as the pressure they've applied on, on uh, Manchester City, I've always felt it was Manchester City's title to lose. G'day, Mark. Luke here, mate. Mate, hey, um, mate. Good, 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 mate. Do you think that's taken the will take a bit of bit of the wind out of the sail of Liverpool, given the fact that they've still got the Champions League and Barca coming up in between their their home running? Um, that result for Man City. I think they'll definitely look at the game and think, you know, that it, it, the last two performances really against Spurs and against uh, now United, thinking, you know, they didn't play their best and they still grounded out results. Um, and they were the two games I think they thought maybe maybe that's where where City would drop points um, or the most likely to do so. Um, of course, uh, there's no doubt to me that they'd be, they'd be disappointed um, and there would be a little bit of a, 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 knocking, you know, a knocking of confidence for them. Um, but ultimately, what, what Liverpool have done really well all season is they've just gone with their own business. Um, and you know what? As we all know, things can, things can change very dramatically. And it's so tight. I mean, even if you look at City's remaining fixtures in, in Burnley away, um, and Leicester, Leicester at home, and then Brighton and Hove Albion last game of the season away. On paper, you don't see too many problems, no. but you know the Premier League the way it is, it, it can just turn itself on their head in, a, in, a, in an instant. Um, but I think you know Liverpool will continue to go. Can, you know they need to, they, can, they need the momentum, not only Champions League but also the Premier League. Yeah, I think um, you know I'd, I'd agree with you, but I think uh, given obviously the fact that. Liverpool have got those two massive games against Barcelona in between there and Manchester City now 
solely focusing on on the league and obviously the cup final. I think, um, yeah, I think they'll be home and hose. I can't see them slipping up from there. I just want to see uh, Ash here, mate. How are you doing? Good, mate. Good. Did you see the uh, the press conference uh, before the game with Solskjaer talking about Man City kicking them and stuff like that, and obviously Guardiola's reaction to that? Um, no, I didn't actually see it, but I heard all about it. And and you know what? I mean, it, it's again bringing that old sort of style of uh, that rivalry between the two teams. I think at times it, it's become a little bit uh, not nicey nicey, but in terms of I think uh, distraction. You know, Man United have not sort of seen themselves at that same level over the last couple of years. Even though last season at, at uh, you know at uh, Manchester City, you know, Man United literally was two halves, wasn't it? I mean, they, they should have been down five nil at half time and turn the game on its head by coming back in and winning 3-2. Um, but I, I still think the golfing class has been so huge between the two teams. I think Solskjaer was looking for a response. He wanted a determined uh, uh, response from, from really poor performances recently of Man United. And, I mean, he definitely got a better one. Um, and I think, you know, Manchester City took it in their stride. Yeah, I mean, Guardiola's going to react, of course. It's his team. He wants to protect his players. Uh, but I thought, you know, you watching the game, you saw both teams kick the ball out regularly when, when either of the oppositions went down injured. Um, and, and listening to the commentary over here, you had Roy King saying, yeah, my dad, it just wouldn't have happened. Would never have kicked the ball out, just kept playing. You mentioned Kane Schwartz, who obviously uh, teed off after the game uh, on the players on Sky Sports and said these are the same players that threw Jose Mourinho under the bus and they will do exactly the same to Ole. What has the continued fallout been on the United performance? Because the City side of it is clear. Uh, the, we just talked about it. United did step up from the Everton performance. Um, so there was an improvement in the first half. But where do you stand on where Roy Keane was at, where Gary Neville was at, where some of the other punditry is at, and, and what Ole has to do both to now to close out the season Season and then pushing on. Yeah, listen, I mean, I, I totally agree with, with both, you know, with, with uh, Gary Neville and uh, Roy Keane. There are players definitely in that change room that need sorting out. And I mean, the only way you sort them out is by moving them on. And I, I think there's some big, big names there that do need to be moved on. I mean, the result overnight, you know, the, the announcement of, of the the PFA team of the year, Paul Pogba being in that 11, I, I actually can't believe he's in that 11. Yes, he had a probably a period of time, you know, of 16, 17 games where he he played, at times he played really, really well. Other times he just played well. And then, you know, for a guy that supposedly is world-class, has been non-existent for the vast majority of the season, he's one of those players that just to genuinely question his commitment to, to the club and the cause. Um, I think he's a huge influence within that change room as well. Um, and, I, and I think that the only way forward for United, I mean, what, what, what Alex Ferguson did in the past, um, what he, I think how he built that, that you know, the, the structure of the club, the ethos within that change room was no player was bigger than the club. And any time he felt that a player sort of started to lift his head above that line, he, he, he shifts them out the door very, very quickly. And I think Paul Pogba's done that way too often this season. And, and um, having Sir Alex Ferguson in the background, giving giving uh, Solskjaer a lot of advice, I'd be very very surprised if uh, Paul Pogba is still there next season. Interesting. And on a scale of, of one to ten, Schwartz, I mean, how average was he in the game against City? A game where you want your big player to stand up, and and you know he was turning the ball over and and, and jogging around at a canter. Well, for me, that that's just far too often. That's been the vast majority of his performances this season. That's why I'm actually just bewildered how he even got in the PFA Player of the Year, uh, Team of the Season. I, I, I can't, I can't see how that's even possible. But anyway, um, it, it's bewildering. You think Eden Hazard's not in it? Um, 
uh, Mo Salah's not in it. Um, it's ridiculous. But, you know, I suppose that that's the way voting goes and people have difference of opinions. Um, but, yeah, you know what? He, his performance was one that I expected. I didn't expect anything anything different. I mean, he was, he was you know, I thought he was so poor away in Barcelona. He was equally as poor, if not worse, at Everton. Yeah, mi- marginally better um, against City, but then as were the whole team, and they couldn't get any worse from the performance at Everton. So there was only one way for him to go. Um, and just for me, not good enough. Not good enough for a player that's supposedly world class. I think um, um, a I world th- champion. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. You said like he's a huge influence in the dressing room. Obviously, you know the PFA's voted by players. I think that's the the caliber of him. All all his friends have voted for him, got him in the team. Um, you know he's flattered to deceive on the pitch, and it's uh, you know his social media. That's the way football's going these days. Obviously, he's got influence from other players, and that's the reason why obviously he's got the Man United. Uh, players and the reason Marino got the sack well I think initially that's a big reason why they brought him to the club I mean I think you know obviously he performed well at Juventus there's no doubting that Um, and they were hoping that he would he would bring that form to the Premier League and help Manchester United rebuild and they'd try and build a team kind of around him and obviously that hasn't worked and I think the whole the whole the whole circus that goes with Paul Pogba has been a huge distraction Um, and at times I think it's been a huge distraction for himself personally and, and it's been very detrimental to his performances because for me, it's about him just putting everything else aside and getting down to playing football again and getting back to his best. There's no doubting he has ability. It's just that he doesn't produce it often enough to be classed as a world-class player and, and a leader of a team like Manchester United. Schwartzy Palo here. Um, it, it's clear that uh, Ollie's going to have to move some players on, but... Given the fact that right now it's highly unlikely that Man United will qualify again for the Champions League, do you think they'll struggle to um, to bring in and attract uh, world class players? Yeah, I, I think you know if they're going to go for big, big, big names, of course, yeah, it, it, it's going to be more difficult. But I don't think Manchester United are in that position. I, I just don't think um, even if they were to make the Champions League, I, I think that the build, the rebuild of the club is so huge. The team is so huge. It's going to take a couple of seasons. I, I just don't see any like current world, world class players wanting to, 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 you know, desperately get to Manchester United. Um, what they're going to have to do is, it, it, I mean, and, and there's been a lot of talk in the press about looking at good, young, talented players, like English players. Sancho's one of them has been heavily linked with Manchester United. Um, whether that, you know, whether that's even going to happen, who knows? I think they're, they're looking to build for the long term future. Um, and it's going to take some time. Um, so, and I think that, you know, they've tried it. They've tried with the instant one. They've tried it with someone like Paul Pogba bringing him in, trying to, to get that, almost regain an instant success. And it, and it hasn't worked well. Um, and there's a lot of talk actually even today about, uh, Romelu Lukaku's dropped a massive hint that he'll be in Italy next season. Um, again, that's a lot to do with social media and the, and the power of the player these days. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's going to take time, and I think there will be some, some. Some, I mean, there's no doubt they can they can acquire top quality players, but just not that world class player. I don't think anymore at the moment. Not, not quite now, anyway. Just going around the room, and then we'll come back to you, Schwartzy. If who are the biggest names on the chopping block right now uh, at United? We'll start with with you, Luke. And if there's if if you could come in as as, as Ollie and and say you're out, you're not part of my plans. Who's in the biggest danger? Yeah, look, I'm going to have to agree with obviously Schwartz's uh, favourite player being Paul Pogba. Obviously, uh, you're not a fan of his mate, but um, look, I have to agree with you. I think. Um, the influence that he has on the rest of the change room, and I think in a in a negative way, I think if you look at under Mourinho, and then I guess now when things don't go so well, uh, could be for Solskjaer. So, I think yeah, he's got to move on. 
Yeah, I think Alexis Sanchez, um, you know, since uh, he's arrived uh, at Old Trafford, uh, he's on uh, crazy amounts of money. And uh, let's be honest, yeah, yeah, thousand pound a week. Don't think he's he's delivered at all, and he's been injured for most part of uh, of this season. And uh, I'm certain that uh, you know Ollie's going to want to move him on. I think uh, Matic for me obviously got substituted at half time against Everton, strolled around, possibly at fault for a couple of the goals and maybe an overhang of Mourinho. I think Mourinho obviously signed him a couple of times and uh, I think he's definitely gone. I don't think we'll see him again. Huge question marks in defence. All those positions are all up for grabs, obviously, Schwartzy. What about you? Pogba obviously is one. What about uh, the other players that probably need to get cleaned out? Well, I mean, I think for me, there's, there's, there's three players that are going to be the first ones that are going to look to try and move on. I think Paul Pogba, Alexis Sanchez, like Paolo was saying, and I think Romelu Lukaku. I think the love affair with Lukaku and United is over, and it has been for a while. Even though I'm, I, you know, I, I think he's a he is a, he he he's a good player, and he can be a top class player. Um, but for whatever reason, it just hasn't quite worked out anymore for him at um, Old Trafford. And, and I suppose you, you know, you could look at any one of the back line. Um, I think they've got some good players. I just don't think they have that top, top class players. Um, I think actually, actually Young's received a lot of criticism recently and some of it unfair, uh, for a player of his caliber and someone who's, who's done so much for the club and so well for the club. Um, but it may, you know, it comes a time for everyone that, you know, you need to move on. Um, and I think there's definitely one position they'll be looking to, to replace as well. Schwartzy, hypothetical for you, because we can talk, we can sit here and discuss rumours, but uh, there's a whole off-season to do that. But just, I want to take you back a few years to say, if you were at Chelsea and, and you were in that dressing room and United would have been lurking for players and, and, and they got the big, you know, the, the biggest club in the world mantra and all that, and it would be very attractive. Right now, if you were in that situation or you're in that dressing room, how attractive a proposition would United be now to players at equivalent clubs in England or abroad to come in as they begin that rebuild? Oh, you know what? I think it's still a huge attraction. You know, Manchester United is Manchester United. I mean, it's a huge, huge club. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, to be part of a rebuild of a club of that magnitude would be an attractive op- uh, proposition for a lot, a lot of players. It may not be for one that wants to have instant success because I just don't think they're going to have that instant success. Yes, they may win a, win a cup competition or so forth. Uh, it's going to take... I mean, we saw with Pep Guardiola, with all the money in the world, it, it's taking him a bit of time. It took him at least one season with all the money he had to spend um, and uh, to have some sort of success. And, and even then, it doesn't guarantee, you know, every trophy that's up for grabs, almost all of them. And we'll see it come the end of the season, but it, it'll be close to it. Um, but, you know, it's going to take time. And, and I think the rebuild at Manchester United is far, far greater than what Pep Guardiola did when he first took over at Manchester City. Speaking of which, rebuild and needing time, um, I'm going to prove I was listening to you a couple of weeks ago when you were doing one of your sideline crosses and everyone was euphoric. I think it was after uh, the PSG uh, win and you, you threw a line in, but be careful because we saw what happened with Chelsea with Roberto Di Matteo and I think everyone laughed on the couch said, come on, enjoy the moment, give, him, give Oli the contract. But in the end now, how is, where do you see that balance going in terms of Oli has got the three years, he needs the time to build, he probably needs a couple of transfer windows. There is that caretaker element of it. Which way do you see this playing out over the next year? Well, again, I think it depends on um, the transfer policy over the summer. I think it really depends. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that come into play. I think, you know, if you look at players like Alexis Sanchez, Paul Pogba, um, Roman Lukaku, how do you offload those sort of guys, um, get the money that you want for them? Alexis Sanchez, I think, is probably the biggest problem. 
you know, the guy that's on such huge wages, who's going to pay that sort of money for him? Who, who's going to firstly, you know, give you, uh, well, give you a transfer fee, if at all, or, or who's going to take over his wages? I mean, the only way I think they can get rid of someone like Alexis Sanchez is letting go on a free. Um, and he ends up wearing somewhere like in China or somewhere like that. Um, so what it depends on is who they can offload, what, how much they free up on the budget, how much money then he has in, in, uh, in his hand then to go and spend on, on new players. So again, it comes down to, and how much say does he have? Then for how much then is the responsibility lying with the manager? Is he, is he, do they bring in a sports director then? And then he becomes the manager that just goes and coaches the players and the director has some minimal say, but a direct, a sports director, which they've been talking about for some time now, comes mm-hmm. in and is primarily in charge of bringing in players. I think a lot of those factors come into play. If he's fully in charge of doing his own transfers, bringing, selling and bringing in players, if, if it doesn't, if it doesn't start to happen pretty quickly, I, I can see him being gone before Christmas. Interesting call. Yeah, I'd agree with call. that. I'd agree with that. I think um, I think you've seen already. Obviously, you have that honeymoon period, like any any coach would have or manager would have, and then becomes the reality, doesn't it? And um, and I think obviously we've seen in recent weeks how they've struggled. I think um, it'll be very interesting to see how they start the the following season. Well, watch this space. What's where are you off to next week? You got some more European travels, no doubt. Uh, I am. Yeah, I'm actually off this weekend to the Bundesliga. I'm doing some stuff over there. I'm uh, back, obviously for uh, European football next week so I'm looking forward to that so yeah got a bit of a busy week coming up sensational but lots of amazing football coming up amazing football coming up thanks for joining us really appreciate it we look forward to hearing your thoughts and seeing your thoughts next week cheers guys see you have a good one well, interesting there, guys. We've really watched this space on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, the technical director, sporting director thing is so interesting too. Obviously, Mike Phelan's name's been thrown about. There's been rumours that he's going to move upstairs, which you wonder with Alex Ferguson's pulling the puppet strings, if that's the case, with uh, Michael Carrick getting the assistant's job. Read a fascinating article explaining why Edward van der Sar would be the best candidate for the job too. He's obviously doing wonders at Ajax, but we're going to watch this space. Just Sticking with the Premier League and, and what's happened in the last couple of days for a minute now, um, Arsenal obviously went down to Wolves yesterday, so that top four race continues to be... Well, it's almost like who actually wants to step up and take it? And I watch, uh, obviously, that was the second fiddle to the Manchester game yesterday. But Arsenal, we're going to see them in the Europa League again this week. What do we read in them? One minute, they're, they're fantastic. The next minute, they are the same old Arsenal. I think uh, one thing's clear is that at home, they're practically unbeatable or they're a different team and then when they play away they just leak goals and and and, and lose games and uh, I think that's probably been the dis- the most disappointing thing because I, I, I really think Unai Emery's done a, a good job um, uh, it was never going to be easy to replace Arsene Wenger after um, you know so many years and and, and the job that uh, that Arsene did uh, but certainly in the summer he's going to have to uh, invest in in some defenders because uh, if they want to really challenge um then they're going to have to to win more games or be stronger away from home. Yeah, I think they've only uh, won six, I think, away from home this season, which is obviously for a team aspiring to be in the top four is is nowhere near. But for me, Arsenal have have been the same Arsenal they've been for years. They've always struggled at the back, never really get an out-and-out, you know, outstanding central defender. You know, you look at Liverpool with Van Dijk, and they've always missed that for years. And until they address that and get somebody in who's, you know, a big leader and, and sorts them out from the back, then they're always going to be the same. So you mentioned Van Dijk, and obviously to conclude that off, um, Huddersfield is the next challenge for Liverpool. That should be straightforward, but at this point in time, 
I think we're all waiting for that twist. It's not coming. These teams are too perfect. There's the stat going around that Manchester City have now broken the record for the most goals ever by an England team in a season in all competitions, 157. Um, Liverpool, of course, we know that if they don't go on to win it and if all team, both teams win both their games, that one loss to Manchester City will deny them the centurion and an invincible season. I read a great tweet yesterday that from someone that said, I've been a Liverpool fan for 35 games this season and a United fan for one game this season and both teams have lost as many games that I've had to support them on. So, I mean, it just shows you how incredible this total race has been. Just a word on Liverpool. How are you feeling right now if you're a Liverpool fan? You're praying that this Spurs and United double would throw something up for you, but it quite hasn't yet. Is there any hope? I think you'd be a little bit flat at the minute. Um, you know, Paolo said before that you, they had a bit of hope this week, the Man City fixtures, but City have shown their class. Um, you know, Liverpool will be thinking, what next? You know, if they don't win it this year, are there going to be a chance to, to win it next year? Because reports maybe Mane will leave, you know, may lose one or two of the key players. And uh, for me, for Liverpool, it's this year or never. Oh, Jesus. Liverpool fans are switching off at this point right now. As sad as that is, I think... You know, I actually feel really sorry for them because, again, they've had a fantastic season and they deserve so much more. But the reality is Manchester City got in their own hands. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, and they've got three games there that without any distractions, I can't see them dropping points. I can't see them losing it from here. Um, and Liverpool going to be, again, just sitting behind them. And, and then you look at Liverpool having to face Barcelona now in the semi-final, the Champions League. And again, I can see them falling short again from a fantastic season. And I, I truly believe they're just going to end up being that one, just sitting there and, and watching, sadly. Yeah, I think Pep Guardiola summed it up perfectly after the game, um, where he said that both teams deserve to win the title. Um, but unfortunately, we all know um, it can only be one. And uh, uh, if Man City get three points against Burnley on, on the weekend, you'd, you'd have to back them to, uh, um, you know, to go on and win it. Yep, sadly, it's not the under-12s. We don't give away prizes participation, so we'll see how it plays out. Okay, so Liverpool, Huddersfield at home, Newcastle away, Wolves at home, and City, Burnley away, Leicester at home, Brighton away. There are relegation factors in there that might spice up those games, particularly Brighton on the final day. Also, double agent uh, Rafa Benitez and Brendan Rodgers. What role will they play in, in terms of uh, doing their old club a bit of a favour? We will see. Rightio, then give us an answer. Here's one to kick us off, Paolo. Robbie Fowler, Brisbane Raw coach, is uh, hopefully going to do a good job. What was your reaction to it? Um, yeah, look, I was a bit surprised. Um, I sort of have, have, you know, followed Robbie uh, um, post career, and uh, you know, he's he has publicly said that he, he wants to have a, a go at uh, um, becoming a manager. A um, little bit surprised that uh, he's chosen uh, the A League, given the career he has he has had and uh, um, his name in in the UK. But uh, um, yeah, look, I think it's you know, great for the A League. Um, obviously, a big name and uh, will attract a, a lot of attention. And uh, yeah, there's a it's a big job. Um, I think 16 players off contract. Um, there's another team coming in the A League at the same time, so uh, it's not going to be easy to recruit players. Um, but I think. 
as we all know in the A-League, it's very important to get your um, visa players right. And if they can do that and, uh, um, you know, Suncorp is, isn't an easy place to go and play. So, you know, good luck and hopefully the Raw next season uh, will be back up there. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's also very exciting for for the A League. Obviously, such a high profile. Um, haven't been playing out here before. I think he he knows what he's obviously getting into. And I mean, he's already spoken. You talk about recruitment that he he already mentioned the fact that he'll be looking at possible some youngsters from over in the UK. Which um, you know, for me, I don't, I don't know. You'd like to see some of the Aussie players more so getting a chance. And and that's that's probably I think where, in terms of his assistant, where he's going to need help to try and bleed through some of the younger younger talent here in Australia, which obviously he's not going to be aware of. So, but look, it's, um, you know, hopefully he does well. It's a, it's, a, it's a big opportunity for him, I guess, coming out of playing and being being a manager. So, look, I'm excited for it. Hopefully it goes well and, and yeah, it can only be good things for the A-League. As uh, someone who's coaching the A-League and, and an up-and-coming coach in Australia, how did you feel, because you talk about bringing in UK players instead of Australia players, how did you feel about Robbie getting the Guernsey here? Yeah, look, I, for me, he's um, obviously he's a legend, a legend of the game, and and you want people with that sort of profile in in the game in Australia to help promote it and to build it. Uh, he knows what it takes over there in England, and we need more of that. I think coming here, that sort of mentality and understanding of professional football at that level. So I think that's a good thing. I think um, obviously for me, I think it's it's about getting some of our younger players coming through the ranks than than probably more. So you look at Melbourne City had the the young boy come out and get the opportunity to play, you're going to get that. But um, I think one or two is not bad. But if you start to, to get too many coming through, I think it can stunt to some of our younger kids. As you know, Robbie, a little bit, what can we expect from him as a coach and a leader and, and someone who take our game forward in the A-League that we might not expect or know? Yeah, I think, uh, I think he'll be a good man manager. Uh, obviously, he can pass on his experience uh, you know, from attitude and, and what it requires to, to reach the top level. Uh, his assistant, I know as well, Tony Grant, is coming over with him, uh, ex-player from Everton. Uh, done a lot of coaching, but he was at Blackburn when I was a, a coach there. Um, he's been coaching recently at Blackpool, so you know he's the man that is probably going to be coaching more on the grass. And, and Robbie will be more like a mentor and a, and a man manager. And you know he's a, he's a good lad. Uh, you know he's got a good way about him. Uh, I'm sure the lads will respond to him, and he'll get the morale high. Um, and then it's a case of you know what you can do off the field recruitment wise, because you know as Paulo said, visa players are very important. And if he's got uh, you know good contacts, which I'm sure he has, then hopefully he'll find one or two decent foreigners that will improve the A League. At the minute, the A League's been a little bit stagnant. Uh, you know, it's, he's going to come in and freshen it up. Regards at a big name and a bit of an attraction. You know, he's got the uh, the lead if you like, and let's see if he can back it up and get some results. Best of luck to him. We want to see the Brisbane Roar flying because this season was was not a good one for them. The PFA team of the year, Schwartz, you touched on it with Pogba, but the rest of it, it's Manchester City plus Liverpool plus Pogba. The PFA team of the year is... Team of the year or the player of the year? We'll go with the team of the year <laughs> off, the back of, yeah, off the back of Schwartz's. Look, I think, I think they've, they've not gone far with it. I think to be with, without Salah, um, you know, I think was a bit of a shock. I think Hazard also, if you're seeing someone like Pogba getting in front of them too, is a, is a shock for me. But for the rest of it, I thought I thought it was it was, it was pretty good. I um, you know you wouldn't choke at such a team, would you? Um, but for me, one of the best players in the league, I think Raheem Sterling. I think the, you look at what he's done. I think also with the England national team, I think the year he's had has been fantastic. And he come on a lot of criticism um, earlier on, and the way he's dealt with that and responded and and answered on the pitch, I think has been fantastic. And for me, it was, he's one of the best players this year. Yeah, they reckon uh, Van Dyke might pip Sterling, but geez, it's. If you want to split, split an award, this is one you could split because they've got done brilliant things but in different ways this term. I went through what these things I look looking at, like looking at the alternatives you could have and I look at the Pogba and I go, Christian Eriksen. That's a huge omission too. No Salah, no 
Hon Sung Min, no Harry Kane, none of the uh, great goal scorers up front, a couple of alternatives at the back. Who were the biggest omissions for, for you guys, starting with it, Paul? Yeah, look, I think that's probably one of the hardest jobs in the world is to pick uh, the PFA uh, team of the year with so many world-class players. And, uh, and of course, uh, you know, Tottenham, uh, Man City and Liverpool, all three clubs have had uh, remarkable seasons. So very, very difficult to pick it. And if someone gets left out, like uh, Harry Kane, like Ericsson, like uh, uh, Song, um, like Mo Salah, um, there's going to be another player that's included that if he's left out, then you'd be questioning that. So um, I, I, I think that the biggest surprise um, has to be Pogba. Yeah. Who would you have had instead of him? Um, oh, geez. Um, not too sure, but, you know... Is it his reputation? Is it the fact that he won the World Cup, um, that he's in there more as, um, you know, who he is? Performance-based. Yeah, yeah. as opposed to performance-based. He almost owns, you said he owns the dressing room. If this is the wider players doing, he almost owns the, you can see who's the cool kid in, in class, can't you? Yeah, I think it's vote for me or I'll uh, expel you on Instagram or shame <laughs> so uh, he gets all the votes, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I drotted down an alternative midfield of Ericsson, Henderson and Ruben Neves. So there's three alternatives and, and how deep is the pool it keeps going and going and going. I think the uh, one I would have changed maybe is uh, Kyle Walker for Trent Arnold at, at fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being picky, but you know they take it very seriously over in England. The players, you know, they they don't just chuck the forms in for the sake of it. They, it is very serious, and it's a it's a high award to be in the team, and obviously even higher to get the PFA Player of the Year. Yep, indeed. So congratulations to those who made it. Ash, suddenly, Everton, they are. Well, the ninth uh, in the table. Um, they've had decent form of recent. You know, I think they've won four of the last five. Uh, they're starting now to to put together the the philosophy and the style of football the manager wants. Um, I still think they are about where they are. I can't see them getting any any better than that next season. So I think they're doing a, a decent job. Although um, you know the expectation from the Everton fans may be still a little bit higher than than where they actually are. Yeah, they've certainly improved in recent weeks. After a couple of months ago, if you'd asked me, I would have said I do not understand what Marco Silva was working on, but they have shown the goods, particularly in some good results against Arsenal, Liverpool and Chelsea recently. Wilfred Zaha should. Yeah, I think he uh, he should be looking to move on and to, for a new challenge. I think he, he needs to really challenge himself. I think he has a lot of quality. Um, I think he's ready to, to step up to the next level given that, um, you know, obviously that, that possibility comes along for him. Top four club, if, say, I mean, Chelsea can't sign players at the moment, just say Hazard did go, he's the type of player that could possibly be the closest to replacing someone like that. Yeah, something like that. I, th- I think why not? I think he's, um, he's, he's a very exciting prospect and, you know, given his age at the moment, he's, he's sort of at that, that nice little age gap where he's ready to step up and I think if he goes to that, one of those clubs, you can see him go to another level. Nice. Uh, if Roma do not reach Nicolo Zaniolo's wage demands... In their contract negotiations, they are doing the right thing. Okay. Yeah. Why's that? Look, he's no doubt he's a tremendous talent, but uh, um, I think he's after two million euros, and uh, um, Roma have offered one point seven. So, not uh, a big difference, um, given the fact that uh, I think uh, you know Luke uh, was very good in math, so he could he can obviously <laughs> tell us what the difference is. He's, it's a three hundred percent pay rise. Um, to what he was on. So he's still only 19. Um, certainly a, a, a big talent, but um, yeah, nowhere near, I think, uh, the level to be able to uh, you know, start demanding um, 
you know, more money. Okay, let's Spurs who've been linked or some other the Premier League giants come in and take the wage bill off them, even though Inter will be spewing that uh, they let him go as well. So uh, watch this space. The, I reckon that's a very sneaky manager putting a, a few little leaks out to the media to make sure this conversation kept going. He said what? All right, David David Luiz on Burnley. So this was the oh, really difficult result for Chelsea the other day when he said afterwards in claims of anti-football, it's difficult when you play against a team who have two chances and score two goals and didn't want to play the game. The reason why I brought this quote up is because Burnley, Brighton, who Chris Huden has, had, has got sitting back and basically just making sure they pick up a point on the way through to hopefully survival. Um, it's that age-old debate about you know what? What's the right way to play, and 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 is David Luiz right to come out and criticise Burnley, or is it which Chelsea weren't good enough to deal with it? Um, I'm interested in um, what you made of David's quotes, and then whether or not you know the style of play um, this season, the Premier League, what it actually reflects, because we've never seen guys as many games. I think it was over with 70% possession from one team to the other. We've never seen that before in the Premier League, like we have this year. Yeah, I think first and foremost, you know, David Luiz is a defender. You know, he should concentrate on defending first at the end of the day. <laughs> if, you see, if you see the goal, the Burnley first goal, there's, there's two players were marked on the edge of the box from a, a standard set piece. David Luiz is your leader. You know, he should be organising. Burnley get a, a free strike on goal because they're not set up correctly. Uh, you know, in the Premier League, you have to defend first and foremost. So these teams that have 30% possession, you know, the masters at defending because they, they, they feed on scraps. They eat when they counter-attack and they, they score a goal um, because they can defend properly and, and grind out results. You know, the, the rewards are that big in the Premier League. The margins are so fine. Uh, you know, you talk about Burnley. Uh, I know Sean Dyche very well. I used to play with him. I, I do speak to him quite a lot. And uh, they started at the start of the year. Last season, they finished seventh in the Premier League. And a lot of their players came back from pre-season all of a sudden thinking that they were players thinking they were, you know, big time, if you like. And, and they had a really poor start to the season. He said they had to get back to, to nitty-gritty. They had to get back to basics, get back to what uh, got Burnley in the Premier League, what got them to stay up and got them where they were. And all of a sudden, at the turn of the year, January time, they, they completely changed. And, and now they've managed to stay up in the Premier League just from defending and, and being hard to beat. So it's uh, it's all right playing all your attractive football. But first and foremost, it's uh, an old saying, you it's the only game in the world where you actually start with a point. So, so why give that away? And that's, the, that's what some of the teams need to do. I found it really interesting because you know, we talk about the entertainment of the Premier League and that anyone can beat anyone, but we can see with Liverpool and City, that's not the case. There are these tiers. And I suppose what I found interesting about this is how much the behaviour of Burnley and Brighton and so on actually reflects that. And Rafa Benitez at Newcastle. And you have to almost uh, look at the... The, the league now in a very different complexion. Teams are going to do that and you're going to have games that are literally attack versus defence sometime and that's part of the fabric of it. Yeah, I think if you're looking for entertainment or you're after entertainment, you're not looking at the bottom uh, of the table in the EPL. It's the onus is on the, the top teams, the teams at the top because they have the money, they spend the money and they buy those players that uh, um, that are going to win titles. For teams like Burnley and, uh, and Brighton, um, as Ashley said, it's all about um, defending. From, from the start, making sure that you're, uh, you know, you, you've got a good structure and you're hard to beat um, because everyone wants to stay in the Premier League. Um, no one wants to go down and uh, um, your best chance is, uh, is, is by doing that. And sometimes you're going to have games where you, where uh, against the bigger teams where you, you know, you're only going to have small amounts of possession. Um, but in the end, 
uh, it, what counts is, uh, is the result. And that's the beauty of the game. Every single game can be different and there's different ways to, to get a result out of it. Speaking of Newcastle before, Jamal Lachelles, the Newcastle captain, said about Rafa Benitez, yes, of course it does worry us as players that he might leave. There aren't many managers like him. Of course, as players, we want him here and Newcastle should do everything they can to keep him. How big a job has he done, Luke, to keep them up with his scant resources? And what on earth are Newcastle doing with this continued sort of brinkmanship with him because he's weeks away from his contract running out. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It has been. It's been a saga that's gone on from pretty much since he since he arrived there. Um, you know, the, I don't know what the relationships are like with Mike Ashley there. It's it's always a, a little bit of a circus off the pitch. Um, and you look at what Benitez has done with them, and you know he's kept that continuity and and got the results necessary on a on a small budget, you could say. Um, but yeah, look, obviously, you know, you got the players saying that they want him there. Um, I have no doubt the supporters also, I think, um, but you know, like again, we say with Mike Ashley and what's going on with the club, um, behind closed doors, you don't know. And I guess that's got something to do with it. Was there a manager that you guys had that you bled for like these guys do for Rafa Benitez that if he says run through a brick wall, you're doing that? Yeah, there was. And there was managers that, um, that I didn't want to run through a brick wall for as well. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, were there any that were like Benitez who had just a a massive galvanizing effect on the side that could just literally have you playing overs? I think there's all different styles of manager. I had one at, uh, Bradford City and and Sheffield Wednesday, actually. Paul Jewell, who was, uh, a classic, uh, you know, old school, if you like, uh, a scouser that just, you know, galvanised regards team spirit. Uh, wasn't fantastically tactical, but someone you, you would, you know, try your best for and, and run through a brick wall because you had a, a good relationship with him. Paolo? Yeah, look, I think it's very important uh, for teams like Newcastle um, that don't spend a lot of money um, is to have that energy every week because without it, it's, it's impossible to, uh, to get uh, important results. And if you look at Newcastle... Um, what's sort of gone on there this season, uh, when you see them play, they always have that energy and that fight. Um, and that goes a long way to, uh, to winning points. So it's essential that um, a manager is able to, to get that out of his players, and Rafa Benitez has, has done that. And so shrewd with the little bit of money he has been able to spend on some of those signings, even in January, that have just kept them ticking over. A, br- a brilliant achievement and, and overachievement too. Oh, here's a good yarn. What about Elton John, Watford's number one fan? He's got a stand named after him. He supposedly, you know, texts the owners with a transfer advice all the time. He's been he's basically synonymous with the club. And on the night of the FA Cup final, he has a concert in Denmark. And Ben Foster, the goalkeeper, he's calling him to cancel it. I don't know about how all those fans in Denmark will be feeling about that. But what should he do? What should the great man do? That's a that's a that's a funny old one, isn't it? I think um you know, I guess he'll do what he wants to do, doesn't he? I guess, like, <laughs> rightly so, he's in the position to be able to do what he wants. But if he's such a fan, uh, like he says also, you'd, you'd expect <laughs> him to be there, wouldn't you? I think it's easier for me. Uh, I have a friend who's who's England's best Robbie Williams tribute. So if me, I'd go and find the best <laughs> Elton John tribute. I'd stick him in. No one would know. Take my wig off and I'll get down and watch the final. He's got a movie coming out, doesn't he? Just put the movie on where the concert was meant to be and, and then play on, get to, the, get to Wembley. What's the biggest game you guys have missed or regret or just were running late? to or couldn't get to or something like that? I think uh, my one, to be honest, was uh, we, we got promoted with Bradford to the Premier League. Uh, the second last game of the season, we played QPR away. I think it was actually a, a few years ago. The day was yesterday, actually. Um, I actually got sent off with about five minutes to go and I got a, a four-match ban. Uh, it was a, a dubious headbutt that never was. And uh, I missed the, the 
ultimate game that got us promoted to the Premier League. Uh, that was, that felt weird because you played all season and then the lads obviously get promoted, which is good. But you've missed the the big game and then you start the Premier League with a with a three match ban, which ended up costing me uh, a right few quid, to be honest. Right, well, that is yeah, that is something to to fall back and have. Speaking of which, we're going to touch on the uh, the promotion race from the championship, which is absolutely excruciating at the moment. Uh, our executive producer Richard Bayless and Michael Bridges, who everyone knows, they've gone over to the UK to catch some of Leeds games, and they were hoping it was going to be a, a promotion party, but of course they've dropped two on the bounce. Tell us about this time, Ash, as a player, because as a fan, it's excruciating. Uh, you just. You, the sliding doors of what your club might do. And we know with Leeds, for example, they had the chance to go up quite recently after they went down, didn't take it, and here they are all these years later. What is it like being in the furnace where it's your responsibility to uh, get back up? It's absolutely huge. Um, you know, that even that game I was talking about, we, we the last game was Wolves away. I think they were playing for nothing. Um, we were, I think we were winning 3-2 and they got a free kick with about five, ten minutes to go and a lad Paul Simpson was taking it. And I remember a load of the Bradford players are saying, listen, you aren't playing everything. Don't do anything here. We, we're about to go up, and he struck the free kick. He's hit the inside of the post. It's ran across the line, and and it never was a goal. But the next five minutes, I think all the Bradford players ran round, just trying to kick him because uh, <laughs> we were so close to going up. Obviously, we did in the end, but you can feel the pressure even from before the game. The responsibility, you know, teams like Bradford, for example, it, it changes the whole city. It'll be the same for Leeds. You know, they're so close to going up. They've been so close all season. And if you don't make it the last hurdle and you finish third, you know, psychologically, there's not many teams that finish third that end up getting promoted through the playoffs. How, how big is the, um, as fans and as media, you build up the stakes. As a player, you try to put it out of your mind, but it, it how big is it there on your shoulders? Actually, I mean, we see Pep Guardiola's interview there um, after the game where he's saying he's, he's advised the players to stay calm, switch off your TVs, don't read anything, just focus on the game, rest, sleep. But you can't help it. You know, all your family, every time you pick up the phone, when it's getting to those kind of uh, positions, everybody mentions it, you're so close. And the pressure does build and it, it's, uh, you know, it takes strong characters and, and calm characters to put it out of your mind. Speaking of strong characters and calm characters, they're going to need a few at Leeds over the next couple of weeks. Of course, if you're not across it, Norwich and Sheffield United, they're the most likely to go up in automatic places, and they could by the weekend. Then it's Leeds, West Brom, Aston Villa and Derby County in the playoff positions. And while Leeds' momentum is going south, Aston Villa with Mila Jednak are going north. Paolo, former Leeds player, the guy's going to go up. A couple of weeks ago, it looked like it was going to be party time, but how are you, how are you feeling now? Yeah, look, it's... Um it's going to go down to the wire, I guess. Um, you know, some important games still to to be played before uh, um, you know the 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 actual end places will, will be decided. But uh, you'd, you'd you'd think that uh, you know it'll all come down to you know, how they react mentally. Um, and, and and you've just mentioned it. You know, for big parts of the season they've been on top. Um, and if they are to finish third, uh, it's three very 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 tough games. Uh, to get back up to to the English Premiership, and uh, the pressure will certainly be on them uh, for one reason, because uh, they are a team that uh, should be in the the English Premier League with the following they have and the tra- tra- tradition that uh, that they've had in the past. I'm sure Ash will agree with me that uh, Leeds United is not a is not a Championship team. They are they are an English Premier League team. Yeah, they they're huge. Obviously, you know, back in the days, obviously the, the Australian connection, you had Vaduka and Cool, and uh, I think they finished was it third or fourth in the Premier League at one stage. They got themselves into Champions League, but you know the fans have been massive for for years and years. You know, even you go back to the, to the old days, you know, people like Terry Orth and stuff like that played for them. They're, they've always been a big iconic side. 
huge rivalry with Manchester United as well that I remember from, from childhood. So they are a, a massive team that you want in the Premier League. And Aston Villa fans, though, would counter that they are of a similar stature. They've won 10 on the bounce as well. As I said, Millet's been playing, so and they play Leeds before the end of the season too, so that might be just a bit of a, a taster for what happens a bit later on. Leeds, the stat that uh, shouts out for me is they're the first in the league for chances created under Marcelo Bielsa, uh, who has got a team playing way above where they were last season, but they're only fifth for goals scored, and, a, and a, we from what I've seen and what I've read is that that's going to be key over the next couple of weeks as they take their chances when it's those big pressure moments. And if they can't, you just want, you talk, you spoke at Liverpool before about if it's now or never, is there any fear for Leeds that it might be the same question right now? Well, you look at the manager, obviously he's on a, a, a big contract. I think it was £4 million a year or something like that. They, they gave him to, to get him, but you know, will he stay if they don't get promoted? They always, uh, the championship clubs can have one real goal for it. Uh, you know, it's huge finances. Your budgets are about £50, £60 million. Pound, but as a championship club, can you keep that going? So next year, some of the players that have done well, a lot of the premiership clubs come and pick them off because they end up bidding 20, 30 million pounds and, and the clubs can't balance the books. So they always lose a couple of players the year after they don't quite make it. Fascinating. We'll watch this space. And to those fans of those teams, good luck because it is as tense as it gets. Well, there's plenty to tuck into at the top end as well over the next couple of weeks. As we said, it's Liverpool-Huddersfield, 5am on Saturday morning. What a great start to the weekend. And hopefully for Liverpool fans, it'll be the result they want. And then Burnley play City as they chase and try to get the result that they need. That's 11pm Sunday. The top four race, some pretty handy viewing times here, just quietly. Saturday night, Spurs-West Ham, 9.30pm on Optus Sport. Leicester versus Arsenal, 9pm Sunday. And then, well, it is the big one. United-Chelsea, 1.30am Monday, Eastern. How will United bounce back and continue to go on? This is basically a six-pointer uh, in terms of that race of who is actually going to step up and try and take that fourth spot. Um, it'll be fascinating to see how United react as well. After that, of course, is a monumental week in the Champions League and Europa League on Optus Sport. And we'll have a special Gag and Pod extra for you on Monday with these three gentlemen that you can listen to as we look ahead to those games. Um, jump onto the usual podcast places to have a listen to that. But in the meantime, as always, gents, thanks for your time. Thanks very much, man. Plenty to talk about, as always. And thanks to Schwarzy for jumping on the line late at night in the UK. To all our listeners out there, thanks for joining us. And as ever, enjoy your football. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.